Hi, my name is Teresa Tran. I write the weekly newsletter Transcendent, and you're listening to my podcast series called 30 Minutes in Heaven, which is an addendum to my newsletter. Happy Friday! Welcome to my new podcast series called 30 Minutes in Heaven, where I interview and chat with cool writers about their creative work and the latest hot topics in pop culture and the book and media industries. The idea of 30 Minutes in Heaven is a riff on the overall concept of my newsletter, which is transcendence. You know when you're talking to someone who you admire and respect, and the conversation is really good, and you feel your brain kind of changing and sparking, just taking in all the info, and you leave the conversation a little bit different than before you started? Almost like you've transcended into a new plane of existence? Well, this podcast series will probably not give you that, but it'll give you something tangential to it. I'll try my very best to make it so. As close to 30 minutes in heaven as you and I will ever get. Exclusively via my newsletter, Transcendent. First up, I'm proud to interview debut novelist Jade Song. We chatted back in April 2023, and I'm so thrilled I can finally share our conversation. Forget what you know about mermaids, starts Chinese-American writer Jade Song's debut novel, Chlorine. A cross between a literary coming-of-age narrative and a dark, unsettling horror tale, the book follows Ren Yu, a competitive high school swimmer who pushes her body to the limits every day in pursuit of an athletic scholarship. The book addresses puberty, adolescent sexuality, and Chinese immigrant mother-daughter relationships. As the story progresses, the mermaid fairy tales from Ren's childhood begins to intertwine with her present, and the lines between fantasy and reality begin to blur. The book was published on March 28, 2023 to rave reviews from Vanity Fair, The Boston Globe, The Guardian, and BuzzFeed News. R.I.P. BuzzFeed News. It truly is one of the best books of 2023. Jade also created a super cool Instagram mood board account for their book that captures the book aesthetic, which is if Wong Kar Wai meets The Little Mermaid but is queer and Chinese. You should totally check it out wherever books are sold. Read more about the book's Instagram account in this Dirt article linked in the Substack newsletter. In this interview, Jade and I talk about their debut novel, their history as a competitive swimmer, their thoughts on the quote-unquote career writer, and their love for the K-pop group BTS. You can listen to the interview by playing it here directly in your email inbox, on the Substack website or app, or via podcast platforms like Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, etc. You can also read the transcription of the interview below. Hi, Jane. Hi. I love your hair. Oh my god, thank you. It was actually, it was originally blue, but I accidentally dyed it green a couple days ago. So it's in transition mode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you like it? I think it looks amazing. Thanks. I want to, I don't know if you're going to the sugar concert um, in a few weeks, but I'm trying to, I want to get it blue, blue before that. <gasps> oh my God. I'm so fucking jealous. <laughs> you're going to have an amazing time. I'm so I'm, fucking good. Yeah, I'm so excited. And um, yeah, I'm counting down the days. How how are you? Thank you so much for, again for agreeing to meet with me. And congratulations on launching your book. Thank you. Unfortunately, because of book launch, I could not make it to any sugar concerts. Oh, no. <laughs> no, but um, I'm very happy and excited for you that you get to go. Um, but otherwise, I'm doing well. So thank You're you. You're doing great. Oh, that's amazing. Um, yeah, I saw like you just came off of launching your book at Brooklyn and Pittsburgh. Um, I wanted to ask, what was that experience like? And like, how does it feel now to have like the book out in the world? Yeah, I felt um, very 
I think uh, I was taken surprise the first the two months before launch date by how much like pressure and stress and anxiety there was in terms mm -hmm. of both like the workload that I was expected to do um, and just like the knowledge that the book was about to be out. But now like that I'm I think three two to three weeks out from the book actually being out in the world and like having those two launch events over like I mean chlorine found the readers who needed to find and like the knowledge that like people love the book and that it's like making them feel less alone and that it's making them feel seen or that their anger is justified like that's all that really matters in the end um and i did have i mean i i think i was very like nervous for both launch events but like the knowledge that like i got through them and like was very eloquent and like had um could perform well and like people showed up for me like both my friends and my strangers and strangers who love the book. Yeah. it was just like yeah it was a very like rewarding great experience so yeah i feel no, I that. the photos looked great it looked <laughs> great like, I, I put my men to work i wanted to ask what first got you into writing this is like a typical question right every every writer has like their beginning or like their moment where it's like, oh, this is like, now I'm obsessed with this. So I wanted to know what made you first get into writing? Yeah, um, to be honest, I didn't even think writing was a thing that people did until um, January, 2020, uh, which is when my friend was randomly like, hey, do you wanna join my writing group? Because I know you love to read. And I was like, oh, writing groups exist, people write. Um, and I, I frankly, like truly, I did not know writers or authors were like a thing because I loved books so much that to acknowledge that they were written by humans would have like broken that love for me because like humans had always let me down, but like books had never, like books were my right. best friends growing up, like fictional characters. Um, so that kind of shift in thinking was very surprising for me. Um, but once I started, I think because I had had such a long background and like reading so many different kinds of books, like constantly that it just like kind of came from me. Um, but I do like I've been an artist my whole life and I consider like writing just part of my artistic practice because um, it does come from the same sort of brain part of my brain. Um, so, yeah. Oh, I love that. I love that. Can you walk me through your journey of writing? specifically so you said you started in January 2020 I wanted to ask like how long did it take you to write it and then when did you feel like it was ready to be like hey I think I'm I'm gonna like put it, my, it, it like out there and like look for an agent and like all of that yeah um so I started writing January 2020 I started writing chlorine summer of 2020 and then I I had been publishing some short stories that agents had been interested in um but it wasn't until I was like halfway through the second draft of Chlorine when the agent I signed with, um, Dong Wan, reached out because of a story they had really, really liked. Um, and they were honestly my dream agent, but uh, because they mostly worked in like the fantasy and sci-fi space, I didn't think like we would be the best fit. But like the longer I worked on Chlorine um, and the longer like I thought about publishing genres and like <laughs> the way that like I really love speculative fiction I was like I am really interested in having an agent who is clear and Asian and who also has experience working with more like speculative literary fiction um, that might not necessarily have traditional literary fiction writing background like an MFA um, or like traditional mentorships um, writing mentorships or fellowships um, so yeah I think um, 
Dongwon and just like knowing that they were interested and knowing that they were reading it. And then I queried, um, but again, like I felt most comfortable with Dongwon. Um, so they were very supportive in the manuscript. Um, and yeah, I think, I think I, I, to be honest, when I started writing in 2020, I, I did not imagine in 2023, this would be my life. <laughs> um, I, I am very happy that it did. Um, and I'm very happy that Chlorine came to be and I'm proud of myself. And I'm just thankful for anyone who joined along for the ride, whether they like got the book from the library or like came to an event or bought the book. Um, Cause I don't know. I mean, I think reading and writing and books bring us all closer together and stories in general. So I think writing feels right for now. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And I completely agree. Um, but that's amazing. That almost feels because in publishing, I know is so slow, right? Like like a typical minimum is two years. So if anything, that's like, it feels like a whirlwind, like what you kind of went through, like your whole experience. Um, yeah, it was fast and it was also very slow. Yeah. It, was, it was a very strange experience. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I, bet. Um, I also read that you grew up as a competitive swimmer for over a decade and that played a huge inspiration in writing chlorine. Um, I'm curious because you're like, I can't, I can't swim. <laughs> I was scared of the water, all that stuff. But I wanted to know, um, what do you love and don't love about the water and swimming in general? Oh, oh, what a sweet question. Um, that's a very sweet question. I think I appreciate that question. Thank you as an interviewer, because most people ask like the personal aspects, but like your question was very like tender and caring. Thank you for that. Um, I I love the water. I love being in the water. I feel very confident in the water. I especially love being in like open bodies of natural water. Um, now I just, I feel like a mermaid, I guess you could say, uh, but it, it feels very freeing in a way that being on land might not um, to me and my body. Um, I will say like competitive swimming itself, I think maybe bringing in the competitive aspect of it. I know that the sheer smell of chlorine like brings me back <laughs> um, in a way that I don't know is necessarily always having good feelings. Um, but the act of swimming itself, minus the competitiveness, is still like very rewarding and very beautiful to me. And I'm always, especially when the summer gets warmer, seeking bodies of water. Um, but the fact of like competitive athletics in general is like very degrading in a lot of ways, um, especially as you're coming of age. Um, and I hope that came out in the novel. Um, and I hope that the discipline and rigor required of a competitive athlete also came through in the novel um, because I mean I do I know understand the, the mermaid fixation and like the mermaid interest in the book but I do think like competitive athletics is a huge part of the novel especially the one that like later feeds into the body horror um, so yeah I just I really appreciate that answer so thank you <laughs> of course of course I'm, I, I was just curious because like again I, I can't swim I love water though I love swimming I just can't swim like that um, so I was just I was just intrigued because if, for somebody who has spent so much time swimming um, competitively or not, like you, you would have to be obsessed with it, right? So I'd just be curious. Funny you mentioned mermaids. Like my next question is about the mermaid thing. Um, similar to, to like obsessions, like I grew up loving mermaids. Um, as a child, like every time I was taking a bath or in a swimming pool, I pretend I was Ariel, like all this stuff. So similar to, you know, Ren, you the main character, um, I had read all the myths from all over around the world. 
So for you um, as a person and as a writer, what is it about mermaids that intrigued you? And why did it, and like for you, why did it make sense to have mermaids as sort of like the central sort of like fantasy creature for this book? Yeah, um, I I love weird queer transcendence. Um, I love reclaiming the monstrous. I love this idea that a human might not necessarily be a born human, um, whether they are perceived that way or whether they themselves think that way. Um, and I think the mermaid is a very fascinating creature because there are myths from around the world, like and no matter which culture you look at through time, there's always this sort of like monstrous feminine or monstrous um, sort of creature that like comes from the sea. And there are like parallel threads that the mermaid does, whether they're like seducing the sailors um, or marrying the sailors or um, just frolicking in the water, having fun. Like there are forms of mermaid in every single culture. So I think the aspect of like this being that lives half in the water, half in the land um, that has captured people's um, hearts and interests for so long, I think that's a very fascinating thing and something that can be carried throughout um, but I do think like for the main character in the book, like it's less about the mermaids and more about just like that weird queer transcendence that she so desperately craves out of her human body, which has like frankly brought her a lot of struggle and pain. Um, and the body horror and the way that she's achieving that transcendence in my head is about the mermaids, but it's also about like leaving awful humanity behind. <laughs> yes, yes, I totally got that while reading. Um, that, that, like it was so brilliant. Um, again, on like going like towards like when like in the process of writing this book, like I'd imagine because there's so much like or there's been quite a number of like books in recent years in both the YA and adult fiction space and even literary space, you could say to extent like have had mermaids or used mermaids to an extent. Um, and then similar for like TV shows and movies about mermaids like right now, you know, a lot of the buzz is going on with the live action from Disney coming out soon. So I'd love your opinion on this, if you have one, totally okay if you don't, but did you read any particular like mermaid books or watch any mermaid media while writing Chlorine? And what do you think about the, what do you think these books slash film slash TV get right or wrong about mermaids? Um, I, I don't want to say what they get right or wrong because mm -hmm. everybody has their different ideas of what a mermaid can be. Um, I will say, rather than right or wrong, I think it's very beautiful that there's so many different iterations of mermaids um, throughout, like, throughout all these different stories. Um, and the book that I referenced a lot, it's in the acknowledgments, so I'm just pulling it out. But the book I referenced um, for mermaid research was The Penguin Book of Mermaids by Christina Bachelega and Marie Alohalani Brown. Um, and the book was like very respectful about collecting mermaid mythologies like throughout cultures, throughout histories. Um, and that just provided a lot of like vantage point for me to see all the different ways that, that like mermaids could come to be um, rather than just like the traditional like Disney Western version that we've been fed. Um, so I do think again, like the fact that mermaids keep growing back in popular culture, the fact that so many people have their different ideas of what it can be, whether it's like super campy and fun or if it's like body horror or if it's like this like beautiful sort of myth um, or frankly, like even in a logo in Starbucks, it's like, I don't know, it's just like a very beautiful story that has and 
very beautiful creature that has captured people's hearts. And I think that's a very beautiful thing. Again, like if we read and if we read stories to not feel alone, to feel connected to others, the fact that a myth like a mermaid has been continually brought back shows that we are coming closer together through stories and myths. I love that. That's beautiful. Oh my gosh. I just like <laughs> attend of your one of your book watches if like it was closer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, right I, here. Wait, are you in California or Atlanta? Atlanta. Atlanta. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. yeah. Hopefully yeah. one day in the future. One day, one day. Another thing about your book that I really loved was like um like something that I like that spoke to me like a theme was like the main character Ren calls herself right like a person fish and often refers to like her ideal sense of like or her like higher being of selves like once she wants to transcend into like a mermaid um and through both that metaphor and the literality of Ren being a mermaid and chlorine like she pushes herself to like great lengths to like achieve what she wants and like aspires to be even though even at like a great cost to her so in essence like there's a lot of like this theme of like ambition and like being pushed to like you have this this goal but and you're but you're also being pushed to achieve it at you know great great cost to yourself. So I wanted to know what your feelings are about ambition in general and also specifically. I imagine it's complicated. Hmm, interesting question. Wow, the, I've done a lot of interviews and like as, after a certain point, a lot of the questions start to sound similar. But like you're coming, I really appreciate this. Thank you. Um, I think on a personal level, ambition is hard because I am an ambitious person and I'm constantly trying to figure out uh, the cost of it um, and how much I want to lose out on the things that bring me a lot of like love and care and joy and tenderness because ambition is frankly oftentimes on the opposite side of that. Um, I think for Ren Yu herself, like ambition, her ambition is to be an amazing competitive swimmer her ambition is to be an amazing mermaid, a beautiful, amazing mermaid that can swim away. Her ambition is to be a great teammate, a great friend, possibly a great lover, a great daughter. But in a lot of ways, she fails all the time. But the fact that she's like trying her best and trying her hardest to achieve those things and maybe, she, and in the end, I mean, I can't reveal the ending, but the ending, she does sort of achieve one of those goals. Um, I think I think she should be proud of herself, um, and I think I should be proud of myself, and I think you should be proud of yourself. I think we should all be proud of ourselves because I don't know. Like Renu knows that like humankind, it's a very sad existence in a lot of ways. It's a very hard existence, and we can't ambition our way out of that sadness. But at the end of the day, like the tenderness and the love, especially between like Ren and Kathy, Ren and her mother, like that is what keeps Ren human, even if she doesn't want to admit it. I love that. I love that. And I love that you mentioned a little bit on um, like your ambitions as a writer, because I, I was curious, like, have you ever seen, I'm sure you know who Octavia Butler is. Um, mm. Have you seen her journals uh, where she has like several, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's like she has several pages where she lists out all of her goals and ambitions, mm. like becoming a best-selling writer. And then there's like this page where she's like, I'm going to make people feel, I'm going to make people like, you know, you know, like have like all these like respond to my writing in this way. And she like underlines them really strongly. Um, and she kind of like, people were like, oh, she manifested this because like motivational affirmations to herself. Um, and, you know, when I saw that, I was like, I thought that was so inspiring. And, and these days, like, again, going back to the ambition thing, like these days it feels like writing as a career. And you could argue like since the beginning of 
when the novel was created, like writing is becoming more and more precarious as like a career. Um, but yet, despite that, published writers still persist. Um, and in your case, I, I, you talked a little bit about it. If you could elaborate, like, do you, what are your specific great ambitions as a writer? What would they be? Like, essentially, this is, if you want to, you can use this, take the space to kind of like put, put the words out there. And I don't know, maybe they might manifest kind of like Octavia Butler style. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, if I'm going to be honest, I have no interest in becoming a career writer. I think my agent can frame it like that. My editor can frame it like that. Other people can frame it like that. But I, again, like books and making art and being an artist and being a writer is so like life sustaining for me that like to turn it into a career, to frame it as this like ambitious writing thing, writing career, I, I just like from my and preservation I can't do that <laughs> um and frankly like the friends I've made because they are my friends they're not like networking connections they're my friends like my writing group is my writing family like those connections to me are so like sustainable life sustaining and beautiful to me that I just I simply cannot view them as like industry people to me right. um, because I just I can't I feel too connected to do that to them to do that um to me again like not to sound like a broken record but like books bring me closer to other people's stories bring bring us all closer together and the fact that i think that's what like going through the publishing journey was so difficult for me was knowing that like this like very meaningful life-sustaining piece of work um and any future pieces of work because i do want to keep writing i do want to keep writing books um even if I cannot, for my own mental health, frame it as a career sort of thing. Um, it just, like, the publishing journey was very difficult for me because I had to learn how to market. I had to learn how to sell and not to make. Um, and that, to me, was, like, very, very painful because the selling takes away from the time and care that the making requires. Um, and, yeah, again, like, that was that was very painful for me because at my core, like, I'm an artist. I'm not a I'm not a seller. <laughs> um, but yeah, but I just, I mean, I do want to keep writing books. I want to write many books. I want to write many stories. Um, but again, like from my own mental health and like practice, I cannot mm -hmm. continue bringing it as like a career and yeah. like a selling sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. And I imagine like that, um, you know, mental framework will help you kind of keep this practice and this art and this discipline like sustainable, it'll, it'll be more sustainable that way because then it's like once you like I imagine like I look I look at other writers who you know you would consider by like as career writers and like they're pumping out books you know and I totally understand because like sometimes it's like you know it's like their what is it it's their income it's their bread and butter um but also it's like I imagine like you would run into burnout very fast when you treat it sort of as products instead of pieces of art yeah I love, I love that but I mean, I do want to be clear, like I, I didn't come from wealth, like I have a day job. Um, yeah. I understand the realities of like needing to sell your work because yeah. people, we need money, um, especially if you didn't come from wealth or generational wealth. I understand that. It's just like for my own like mental health, 
I, I, I cannot put writing and my artistic practice into that bucket of like making money, even though in the end I did because I went through publishing because I will again go through publishing because again, I am doing an interview to sell a book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I understand these realities. Um, I just think like there's a way to strike a balance in my head and I just want to continue doing that. Um, and I, I love Octavia Butler so much. I really do. Like, I love her work. I especially love fledging. It's just like, I find for myself, like focusing on how the book will sell, um, how many copies will sell, if it will be become a bestseller is like, in the end, a bit like futile for me. I would rather just focus on how the readers feel um, and if the book connects with the people that it needs to connect with, because in the end, that's what matters to me. Uh, we mentioned earlier in the interview, right, um, that chlorine is also incredibly queer and sapphic. Um, and it wasn't just like the aspect of like Ren longing for another girl, but also like the whole book, right? And every aspect exuded queerness. It's like you mentioned, it was about um, this sort of like queer transcendence, which I love. And um, I, if you could like elaborate a little bit more about like, 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 for example, like, because I read a lot of queer books as well, and, like, um, mostly in the YA space and, and uh, like, a little bit in the fantasy space. And there's often, like, queerness can be um, packaged as sort of, like, identity marker. Like, this person has, this thing has, like, representation, and therefore, like, it's, like, a, it, like, it feels more like a uh, outside descript, like, I don't know how to describe it, but more so of, like, a, like, incidental. Um and for this, when I was reading your book, like it felt very intentional in a way, like every aspect, every aspect, even when it doesn't feel obvious, just felt in intentionally and inherently queer. And so I wanted to ask like how you did that or also like, you know, did you, was it like super intentional in the sense of like, in the sense like you were like, oh, this is how I'm going to do it. Um, as just like on a craft and technical level, but or was it just like it just was natural because like you're a queer person and it was just like this is your like you're you're just putting like it just felt it just like came out if that makes sense. I I I have gotten similar questions and sometimes I struggle to answer because I am a queer person, but in a lot of ways I don't think about like queerness and gender, for example actively not because I don't I, I because I am queer I I think if I had to classify my gender I would probably I mean I prefer she or they honestly any pronouns it's less it's my friend says it's a gender rejection more so yeah. than anything else um but again like the majority of my friends are queer like the straight friend straight cis friends that I do have left are like they're immense allies like they fully accept who I am and like after two decades of like hiding certain aspects of me at like 26 I just like I simply cannot hide anymore <laughs> that shit yeah. is exhausting like, I'm coming my full self like no matter the situation because yeah. um, I'm just I cannot hide myself so I think when I'm writing I, I I write queer I suppose because that's who I am and that's how I view the world but when other people tell me this it surprises me because this is just how I think and this is how like many of the people close to me just are that to re be reminded that it is queer and that it's like different is like a surprise just because like this is just who I am yeah. it's um yeah I don't view it as something that's like different or a surprise and I don't think many of my friends do either at this point just because it's like with us and we feel safe um, which is like a gift in itself to feel safe enough to be yourself um, but yeah 
I think like, yeah, I don't, I didn't intend for it to like be categorized in like the mm. queer genre, but I understand why it is because it is and because I am, but yeah. um, again, yeah, I don't view it as something that's like special or different. When I was writing these like interview questions, I knew I had to ask you this question because we are both this, but I know you're a BTS fan. Army. <laughs> you wrote a beautiful essay for Team Vogue on your relationship <laughs> with art and writing and how BTS's music really spoke to you. So I have to ask, were there any direct or indirect influences or inspiration from BTS on Chlorine? Oh my God. I mean, again, like, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the Team Vogue essay said a lot about it. Um, I do think in general, like I'm an artist and I am, it is very important to me to like pay homage and to remember and to keep track of the artistic influences. Um, that influenced my own piece of work, um, which I think is something that Namjoon um, actually does very, very well. And that BTS, frankly, has always done. Like you can see it in the hip hop file lyrics of one of their first albums. Um, and it's just like the fact that Namjoon, he's my bias. <laughs> um, the fact that he like is constantly like posting about like fine arts and like he wanted to be a poet before he wanted to be a rapper and like again the way he like pays homage to these artistic influences no matter genre or language frankly um that influences own work like that to me is so important and that is partially like what i want to do in the future like always remembering that like writing is not just writing it's paying attention to like all these other different art forms that might inform it that might help keep you alive which namjoon also i think has spoken about um and that to me is just very important. I love that. I love that. And I love that your uh, bias is RM. Um, oh, yeah. I because like for a hot minute there, I was like, is it Jimin? Because you want <laughs> the sweater. Um, but that makes totally sense. RM makes totally sense. Yeah, I love him. Who's uh, your bias? Yoongi. Ah, uh, yes. He's, yeah, he's a record. Twice <laughs> over. I'm seeing him twice over. I'm seeing him in Chicago and in S in Oakland as last US date because I am a simp. So oh my God, I'm so excited for you. <laughs> they're at two different like sections and the Oakland one is like closer. It's like like right, right next to the stage. So I'm literally about to like lose my mind. Oh my God. It will be the best experience truly. I can't wait. I can't wait. Um okay so last question. Chlorine is about finding who your truest self is and like being brave enough to live it intentionally on purpose. At least that's what I kind of took away from it. So to end on a high note, um, do you think who you are right now and what you've experienced as a person, but also as a writer so far, exemplify your truest self? Yes, I think so. Yes, absolutely. I'm, I feel way more me, which is all that I can ask for, like just being me. And I think the true sense of self Sorry, my car is beeping. Uh, the true sense of self might change, but I think I'm always going to be moving toward a truer sense of the self the way that I hope we all do, so. I love that, beautiful. Thank you for asking. Oh my God, Teresa, this is so lovely, thank you. Finally, a BTS question. <laughs> I, it's the most important question in this whole interview. It's like I crucial, really. crucial. <laughs> um, Jade, thank you so much for one, writing such an amazing, brilliant book. Um, it's been so exciting to watch it kind of like un like roll out into the world and and like see people like because I've also seen people like on Twitter like respond like it's like freaking amazing and you deserve all the 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 love and accolades and all of that and and just 
Um, it's really inspiring. And uh, thank you so much for agreeing to do this interview with me. Yeah, thank you so much for the time and for the amazing questions, truly. Thank you, Teresa. You're incredible.